Kohalet by Madison Scott Clary R.J. Brewster, 2112 It took Ade just under two hours to find the microphone. The first hour was spent searching the auditorium from top to bottom. A walked around, clapping and humming, then quoting half-remembered lines from productions they had worked with Sasha in the past. So said it, son in thee, A called in an affected accent. What day be dark to me? Wistful Dickinson to fill an empty hall. A would have whistled if it wasn't for the structure of a canid muzzle. Silence. After an hour, venturing even into the overhead areas where the sound was muffled, damped, he gave up and took a break. It's probably fruitless to be this thorough in the auditorium, he thought. The gain's high enough that even a quiet clap should be enough. He slouched in an auditorium seat and pulled out the slip of paper with Cicero's transactions. He had found that if he focused on the page just so, rows would sort themselves by columns, so he spent a few minutes aimlessly zooming through the page of digits. A scanned over the titles of the initiatives voted on, very little there to latch onto, or rather, way too much. Aude couldn't hope to boil down the table into any single sentence, much less something useful. The cat head apparently voted on just about everything without taking any breaks. Eventually, when neat rows of letters began to blur into one another, he levered himself up from the seat. Paper refolded, he slipped it back into the pocket before checking on the board once more. Everything remained as it was. Aude had imagined it would work in concentric circles away from the auditorium. That turned out not to be the best idea. The hall was nestled between two arms of the school, which did not meet except at the auditorium itself. Air route grew arduous. He'd walk down one hallway, poke into classrooms and make noise before moving on. When he reached the end of our circle, though, he had to jog around the auditorium through the student center to go down the other hallway and do the same. He gave up on the concentric circle plan and started just working from north to south instead. He worked through the entirety of one hallway, clapping and hollering, without hearing anything. From there, onto the area of the student center near the auditorium. It was there that I heard the first faint hum of feedback. It threatened to skim beneath their attention, sounding too much like an echo from our own voice in the cavernous common area. The door to the auditorium caught her eye, and they tried once more, getting another faint hum. It slowly died out as space and air dissipated tone. It was only a few minutes from there to find the microphone itself, a lavalier mic disguised as a button, resting obsequiously atop the door handle leading into the principal's office. It was just to the northeast of the auditorium doors. It would have found it soon enough. It was surprising in a way that I hadn't managed to trigger any feedback earlier. The door was labeled Admin. Ominous. There was a head office at the front of the school, but administration was where the principal and vice principal's offices were, one of those places that lingered in the mind of every student who passed through the doors of the school. Getting called to the front office was usually bad enough, a call from a parent, but getting called to the admin office was more oh shit than that. Ears pinned back, Aude picked up the microphone delicately through the mounting feedback and quickly shut it off. The hum had grown loud enough that I could hear faint clicks from the speakers, magnets clicking, popping as the physical limitations of the ancient and not-so-great speakers were reached. 
The sound stopped a scant few moments after, bouncing around the auditorium and the student center. Echoes. Her ears slowly uncringed. They pocketed the mic in her trouser pockets and straightened up. The school was silent once more. Remembering the position where he had found it, Ade straightened up and wandered back over to the auditorium, turning down the gain on the board and lowering the house volume to a reasonable level. He even turned the mic back on and mumbled a quick one-two to ensure that none of the speakers had been damaged. This is a sim, not even mine, A thought, the inside of her ears flushed warm with embarrassment. What does it matter if a speaker blew? A shrugged it off. Habits were habits. No reason to break them now. Back to the admin office, then. Ade couldn't help but feel as though it was trapped in a game. One of those first-person puzzle solvers that seemed forever popular. One of her favorite genres. It was surprising the adroitness with which her perspective had shifted, sobbing now behind him. Perhaps the fact that they seemed to be receiving what amounted to clues while in a complex, abandoned building added to that. Perhaps it was the shift from RJ to Ade. Perhaps something about himself. Countless hours in sim. Countless changes in scenery. Countless changes in form. Shaking her head, they turned the knob on the admin office and peeked inside. There were no traps, no jump scares, just the six-sided room with three doors on the walls opposite this one, one for the principal and two for the vice principals. Taking the game metaphor to heart, they started poking around the office where he could, flipping through a date book on the secretary's desk, empty, and rummaging through the drawers, office supplies. The waste baskets were empty. Stealing himself for something... something what? Shocking? The game mentality still holding tight, perhaps. He tried each of the doors in turn. Surprisingly, it wasn't the principal's office that opened, but one of the vice principals. The name of the one who had worked there while I was a student escaped him, and no tags adorned the doors. The office was dark, but the lights responded to a touch on the pad. He set it to a comfortable level, warm without being cozy, bright enough to read without being intimidating. Memories of being hauled into the room all those years ago, with the lights all the way up, a gesture of power. Rummaging through the desk revealed little of note. Rather than a planner on the desk was a workstation, simple, ancient. It didn't respond to any of Ade's interactions. How it would work, I couldn't guess. A sim within a sim? I had perhaps hoped that a connection like this might lead outside, outside this mess. The only other items on the desk were a scratch pad and a pencil, the expected tools, the perpetual desk toppers that never seemed to go out of style. The pad contained a breakdown of costs, divided into departments for the coming year. A simple three-column setup tallying subject, expense, and deductions from some number at the top. Budgets, perhaps. At the bottom of the page was a final number circled in dark, angry strokes. Apparently, the administrator hadn't liked the result. Ade flumped down in the chair at a jaunty angle, her tail flopping between armrest and chair back. Tired. So very tired. It rubbed away the sandy grit of tears already shed. It was moving in the search with determination, as much as they could muster, anything to occupy her mind, anything to keep him from collapsing into a depression born of hopelessness and despair. It occurred to him that getting lost was the perfect prison. Complete freedom, or nearly so. They had already fantasized about jimmying open the other doors, with nothing to do, nothing to dream, nowhere to go, nothing to know. A 
didn't even know the time. No clocks adorned the walls. They would go mad without a task. Could they create anything? But why create in these empty halls? What would they even begin to make that would matter the worth of a dam? They could never be able to share it. They would only be able to spiral endlessly inwards. All Ade wanted to do was curl up in the chair. It was comfortable enough. Perhaps they could get some sleep in. Instead, I ground the heels of her paws against her face and leaned toward the desk. Numbers, digits, columns. Something familiar. Mindlessly working through the sums in her head simply for lack of anything else to do. Weird, A murmured sleepily. The numbers didn't add up. Rather, everything added up within its own row. It was as though a row was missing. A stretched out an arm, snatching up the scrap of note and holding it up to the light. No erasures, whiteouts, or scribbles. There was just not enough information. Digits. Numbers. Ledger. Paper. Notes? If A was meant to be looking for clues, then... A fished the previous clue out of her pocket, the ledger of Cicero's DDR interactions. It wasn't nearly so simple as the single-column arithmetic on the scratch paper. Each referendum had three columns of digits, a cost, a bounty, if the referendum was referred back to the house, and any number of comments made on the issue. Often out of order on the sheet as well, given Cicero's habit of voting on everything. Perhaps it was the first thing he did on waking. Given the note's interactivity level of expanding on closer inspection, he tried to will a sum out of the columns to match the final row. No luck. I wish for a rig more than anything. It'd make the task almost trivial. Ah, well. A snagged the half-used pencil and the rest of the scrap and worked it out. Each cost and comment would be a debit, and each bounty would be a credit. One could also buy DDR credits through a mechanism that basically acted as an additional withholding on one's taxes. There were two of those in there, possibly ensuring Cicero would have enough DDR credit to make what Ade assumed was some scathing political snipe on an upcoming high-stakes referendum. Even so, it was clear that the section of numbers on the paper, a month's worth, perhaps, didn't add up. Once more, there was a missing interaction. Three missing interactions, rather. One vote's cost, one vote's comment, and one vote's bounty, at Ade's best guess. Perhaps a few smaller votes to add up those totals? It was recent, too, a few days before he had gotten lost. Except that one's DDR records were public. Not which way one voted, but that one had voted. Comments were public perforce. The information had to be public for the system to work. Unless it had been tampered with, there was a combination of 1,252,000 credits unaccounted for in terms of transactions. 1 million debit to the comment, a quarter of a million credit for bounty, and 2,000 to the vote cost. Ade tore off the top sheet of the pad and, working faster this time, ran the numbers once more. Same result. Well, huh. A sat, frowning for a while longer before gathering her notes. He folded them together with the original clue and stuffed them into her pocket. He couldn't create a deck here, apparently, but he could sure take items with himself. If this all had something to do with what was going on outside, where it was counted among the lost, that was all well and good, but how I would get that information back out remained a mystery. Too early to be thinking of such things. It wasn't going anywhere for the time being. Sleep was becoming an imperative. It gave token consideration to where I would be able to sleep before deciding on the auditorium. The fold-down seats were cushioned. Not very well, but better than the floor. And... The place had a sense of home about it, too. 
The thought was a barb tugging at her heart, but there was nothing to be done, not in this state, not right now. Sleep, and perhaps dreams. Or perhaps not, sleep to get away, sleep for nullity, sleep for nothingness. You've been listening to Kohalet by Madison Scott Clary, book one of the Post-Self Trilogy. Read by the author. Kohalet and this podcast are released under a Creative Commons 4.0 attribution, non-commercial, share-alike license. Music by Chad Crouch, released under a Creative Commons 3.0 attribution, non-commercial license. Kohalet is available as a paperback and ebook at kohalet.makyo.inc. That's Q-O-H-E-L-E-T-H dot M-A-K-Y-O dot I-N-K. If you'd like to support more of my writing, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com slash makyo. That's patreon.com slash M-A-K-Y-O. Thanks for listening. Toledot, Post Self, Book 2, comes out January 21st, 2022. You can learn more at toledot.makyo.inc. That's T-O-L-E-D-O-T dot M-A-K-Y-O dot I-N-K. You can also find the series at post-self.makyo.inc. I do hope, once you're done with Kohalet, you give it a read. <laughs>